edition of the Tetracast. This is episode 105. That is 105 to you folks. And it is the March 31st edition. We're already in April. It feels like the year just started yesterday, but three months have already passed. Isn't that right, Adam Vitali? It's kind of interesting to think that last year by this time, we had like Nier was out, Zelda was out, uh, Horizon was out. Mm-hmm. You know, on all these huge games, and like yeah. Persona was a couple of days away. Um, so, oh, that's right. The Persona was in like early April, first week of April. Yeah, first week of April. So. Yeah, that's right. Wow, this it's... this year has had a couple of good releases, big releases, but last year was just not. Yeah, <laughs> not it, uh, it wasn't as brutal as uh, you know as twenty seventeen. But it, it, and it, I'm not... it, it feels good. It's like it feels healthy enough where i feel like i have breathing room to kind of digest what i'm playing instead of like yeah. oh shit okay i got this completed oh man like the switch is coming out like three days and i have this fucking your yeah. time you to do and i'm just like Pht. yeah and that's not even including like tales of Berseria or gravity rush or whatever or yakuza zero which i think we're all out yeah. at the time and neo like oh yeah that was all january things. i think yeah yeah Fuck. like this year like first of all how are you with like monster hunter like are you like, have you exhausted it yet, or do you still have a lot more to do? I, I know they keep adding stuff, but... I, I got through the main story. I got through uh, a few HR ranks, but I didn't get to, like, the final bear of HR 49 or whatever. Like, I didn't do that yet, uh, but I, I've gotten, like, around 80 hours into it, and to a lot of people, that's, like, a lot of time into a game, and, uh, yeah, I agree, I agree. But, to all, but to Monster Hunter Veteran, it's like, man, you're barely scratching the iceberg. Um, yeah. uh, but... I think I'm not done with Monster Hunter. I'm definitely gonna pick it up again, but I haven't like touched it, touched like the Devil Joe update or whatever. And I know that the Sakura Spring Festival or whatever is around the corner, but there hasn't been like a, a good chunk of content, yeah, new content yet for me to like justify going back and like putting in like another like forty hours or so. Because I, yeah. I'm the kind of person that um, usually waits for a game to like get like a substantial amount of updates before I pick it up. Again, it's kind of like, all at Z- once. Yeah, yeah. like Xenoblade 2, that's still ongoing. Um, and that basically, like, just this past week, uh, it got, like, a new update with, like, several new quests. I don't know if that's only for expansions past stuff, but uh, I know that's still uh, getting support. And I haven't even touched it since, like, even the new New Game Plus, all the new Blades and whatever. I, I think I'm waiting for, like, the first, like, like once the yeah. new Blades come out, I think maybe that's enough content for me to start going back in and maybe start thinking about doing new games. Allow it to be a little bit fresher. So when you, you like, you just do a second playthrough or whatever with all the new, you know, quests and blades and whatnot. So yeah, yeah. It also has like all those quality of life updates too that I cannot wait oh, to yeah. like, just boot it up and be like, wow, this is like a totally different game from what I reviewed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... so much, so much snappier in many ways. Yeah, for sure. But uh, that's uh, once again. Uh, Getting to the podcast proper, it's me and Adam this week. Uh, Zach, your our usual host, is still running into technical problems, which is all right. It's been a a good quiet week, but there's been there has been like a lot of like news bits, but there but the ones that we do have are like big ones for yep. sure. Uh, but before we get into that, we'll get into the games that we've been playing. I've been kind of um, 
I haven't uh, picked up too much anything new. I'm still playing playing a bit of synthetic. Uh, I've been uh, playing uh, Nino Kuni two still. Last time uh, I didn't get to the kingdom building yet, but then ever since then, my progress on the main story has like slowed to a crawl. I'm barely like on chapter five at the second major town, and like my characters, I'm like. 18 hours in and my character's like over level 40 already and all i've been doing for the most part is just like trying to get new citizens and like seeing hey mm-hmm. what do you what, what do you guys want they're like oh do these skirmishes i'm like oh okay so i've been kind of grinding on those because the because the skirmishes has a diff, like a different level leveling uh yep. system outside of like your main level so you could be like level 30 but then your skirmish level could be like level five or whatever so, but it's been it's been a lot of fun um, getting into the kingdom building of that game. It, it's robust, but I think my my main issue with it is kind of, it's kind of too too linear. Like, yeah, this yeah, is not a land. there's only one way. There's only basically one progression path, and it's exactly. just. I mean, you can sort of like prioritize different research over others, but it's it is basically like. The, you have to build these buildings, and these are the things that they can do. And yeah, like the, like this plot of land, it, it'll always have yeah. to be like like a mining spot or a farm spot. You can't like makeshift it over to be like an academy or something. Um, I think the the that's basically fine. There, that's yeah, there fine, are no, but there are like, no big decisions to be made. Mm-hmm. But right, go ahead. Uh, that, that's fine because like you know that your kingdom will look pretty no matter what at the end. Like it'll look like everything's perfect. Uh, but what I really liked uh, from uh, like other level five games that had like build your own things, like uh, White Knight Chronicles, they had this whole um, system where you can like build your own little base uh, before you set out, and like you had full control over like where buildings went and like where where you want shops and bazaars and whatnot. And it was really cool uh, going to random uh, people's bases, even my own friends. Uh, and seeing how they organize their whole system, like I saw very elaborate pieces. Like, oh, okay, these were all like the weapons uh, uh, shops are. These are where their armor shops are, and like they kind of had it like in a very, um, they presented in a very like cool fashion where there might have been like, you know, carpets around, and they made like a diamond formation of these shops, and it's just it was very cool to see like everyone's kind of approach and mindset over how they wanted to organize their base of operations. Like, it, like it, for all the problems the White Knight Chronicles had, that was one of the coolest parts about it. So I was kind of hoping that in Nino Kuni 2, you'd be able to have more of a free-form approach. Like, and, and, and then that would lead me to wanting to like go into other people's like kingdoms and be like, oh, how did yeah. you organize yours? <laughs> no, not. Now, I have not played White Knight Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Um, have you played Dark Cloud? I, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Dark Cloud. So... Giorama is, mm-hmm. you know, comes to mind. And one way in which Giorama was maybe a bit more flexible and maybe like White Knight Chronicles compared to Nino Kuni 2 was that like you would get as you progress through the dungeons, you would get basically like literally you would collect people and houses and accessories for houses and backyards and all this stuff and yep. you basically are tasked to plotting them in like this plot of land and you can put it wherever you want. You know, you can you can put the buildings wherever you need to be, and uh, certain people had to go in certain buildings. But the way you organized your little towns that you were making was flexible. But um, one of the kind of like meta games, not a meta game, but like a mini game in this in Dark Cloud is like different people 
want different things. Like I like to be next to the to the windmill. Mm-hmm. So like if you put this certain house that they live in next to the windmill, they might give you a couple bonus items. And like another person would be like, well, I like to face north. Well, I like to, you know, have be next to the river. So you actually have to plot out the river next to them and so on. And so like there are a couple of different ways you can kind of ideally you know, put all the pieces together to make sure everybody's happy, but you still have the flexibility to kind of figure that out yeah, rather than Nino Kuni, which is a little bit just, you know, more simple, um, which isn't necessarily like a bad thing, but it's just kind of the, the focus that they had is Nino Kuni is, there's a little bit less freedom in that way. Just kind of, you just kind of choose which buildings you want to build first, and which research you want to accomplish first, but in the end, they'll always end up the same way. I do like how they lay it out in Nino Kuni too, though. Like it, it feels all very streamlined. It, you don't at first it feels overwhelming, like when they first introduce yeah. it to you. But then, as you kind of dig into it a little bit deeper, you kind of see, oh, they're making it very visible that this person, this NPC, is suitable for this job. Uh, th- this person, you can have like the freedom of either uh, placing them there or there. But in all, at, at no point was I ever like I felt lost. They, like even if you don't want to go around the town with your cursor, they, you can go into your menu and go to like the facilities or research and like access it all via like a whole drop down menu instead. Uh, so yep. you're you're not like kind of scrambling over. Oh, okay, where was this like building uh, at? You can just like pull up the menu, and be like, okay, this is exactly where I want to go to. This is what I want to research and uh, whatnot. I don't know if if, if there's a way for um, Evan himself to kind of like teleport around to to like meet the. Citizens I don't think so. You think you just have to wander the city? You need to like talk to people mm-hmm. either to do like the different options of the shops. Um, Later in the game, by the time you have, like, most of your research done, it actually becomes a little bit more important um, for, like, especially for post-game. Like, once you beat the main game, um, the different facilities that, where people collect items for you. And sometimes you need certain items to create, like, some of the higher level. Uh, to, to be honest, for, like, the main game, you really don't need to... Um, oops, sorry about that. That's all right. You, you really don't need to, like, mess with the crafting too much. But for some of the post-game stuff, you kind of do. And you need some of these rare items to do it. And some of them you can't craft, but there's a lot of them that you can. Um, and you, you basically start to, like, prioritize different buildings you put, you kind of chalk people into to, uh, <laughs> to, just to make sure they collect the right items you need. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a satisfying system, but simple. Um, and I, I, I do, like I think I said last week, it is, and just like you mentioned, it is one of those things, like, for, like, a... For like a second, you think like, "Oh, this is going to be overwhelming," and then it's like, "Well, actually, this is not not at all." Yeah, it's, it seems it's, very it's actually kind of. It's, it's, I think it's my it's favorite part of the game. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, actually, I, I think my secret favorite part of the game is um, kind of reading over the little bios that each of the Higgledies have in the library. Um, yeah. Some of those are pretty amusing, and people should not skip out on that. But you mentioned post game in Nino Kuni too. Uh, you beat it recently, ever since the last recording, right? Yep. Uh, well. What were your overlasting impressions? What, what do you think about it? So um, I think this game, in a sense, it scratched an itch that I had where that it, it is a very laid-back game, um, not just in you know its difficulty or whatever, but just kind of in its tone. There's not a lot of exposition. It's not a very intimate game in terms of like character development and things it's more, like that. It feels that. like a, a children's book. Like Even though, even yeah. though the, the, the beginning might like throw you off otherwise, it feels like you're, you're kind of reading a, child, a simple children's story, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, it is a little... It does almost kind of come across 
this may not be the best word, but childish at times, mm-hmm. where like literally your main character, Evan's goal is, I want to unite the world so everybody has peace. And that's like... That's Everyone it. can live e- happily ever after. Yeah, and you know, it, it, it's actually kind of amusing in a, in a sense where like, there are a couple of other games with villains that have similar, you know, similar thoughts. Like, if we unite everyone, <laughs> there will be no war. Uh, um I'm, you know, kind of exaggerating, yeah. but it is that type of tone where it's, it's laid back, it's leisurely, um, it's, like I said, there's not a lot of expo- exposition, it, there's a quick pace to everything in terms of the storyline, um, it's it's not a very dramatic storyline, it's, it's it, it kind of scratched an itch, I think one way in which I described it to a friend of mine was that it kind of feels like an anti-Xenoblade, and I don't mean that as a positive or a negative thing, it just has a very different tone and style to it, um, but there are some places where I am a little bit disappointed. It is, um, I, like I mentioned beforehand, like in last week's podcast when I was about 10 hours in, it, it is a little bit maybe too breezy uh, for, for most of the main game. Like, for example, when I started delving into the post-game stuff and, like, actually, like, looking at Higgledies and creating, like, putting together, like, a, a, a quartet of Higgledies that support each other well and leveling them up and doing things like upgrading spells and crafting armors and weapons, like, I didn't bother with that in the main game, because I didn't need to, you know, it's just like, why should I, why should I pay any attention or effort to this if it's totally unnecessary? It, it isn't for the main game, but when you get into post-game, it sort of is, even then, it's not, like, totally, like, necessary, and I just kind of feel like the game might have been, uh, it might have hooked me a little bit more if I really had to, like, at, at become pretty adept at some of these different subsystems that the game does offer, like, the spell crafting and the higgledies and the and the weapon and armor crafting and things like that. But it just comes, it just doesn't really require those. So that's those are those are a couple of ways which I think the game is it's a little bit disappointing. I, I, I was kind of, kind of thinking of a way for them to kind of like say patch in a difficulty. And I was thinking maybe they should do a little bit more and expand the tactics tweaker to like kind of put in a new section to have a little slider of like normal difficulty and like challenging difficulty and brutal difficulty and like you pour like. Battle points into that, so you can like move the sliders up and down. So like up, up like enemy stats. Uh, so and but you have like better like money or drop rates and whatnot. Hey, can I admit something? Yeah. Ever since the last podcast, I totally forgot tactics tweaker was a thing. <laughs> like I, I forgot it was there. I never touched it. Mm-hmm. I, I took on all. I took on. There are there are a handful of like post game bosses. They're, they're nothing really more than just beefed up creatures for you to take on. And some of them are pretty tricky once you get finally that far into the game. But, like, I never bothered with, like, maybe if I, mentioned, if I mess with Tactics Tweaker, I can, you know, give myself an edge versus this certain one or whatever. And I, I just totally forgot about it. I wasn't even, like, intentionally ignoring it. I just forgot it it's was It's easy enough. to forget because they, they mention it and then they never say anything about it ever again. I'd be like, the only time you'll ever, um, like, consciously think about it is, like, if you're, like, browsing through the main menu... And like saying, well, saying then, these two words together, like oh yeah. <laughs> well, even then, I think like I checked the menu, like the library, a couple of times when I was checking like uh, citizens or higgledies or whatever. Um, and there's that tactics tweaker option right there. I just like gl- my eyes just glazed over it every time. I guess <laughs> like never touch that menu for yeah. some reason. I I agree yeah. with you. I, I do. But yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of my general thought. It's like it, it did scratch an itch. But I wish there was maybe just a little bit more there. But I am glad I played it and I did enjoy it. I, I yeah, for me, I'm I'm still working my way through it. I 
I do like uh, even though I'm breaking the like the the natural flow of progression in the game. It's one of those things in RPGs that I like to do. Is like okay, well, it it like to a lot of people when I tell, tell them my progress, like how the fuck are you already over level forty, like where yeah. you're at? And it's just like I don't know, man. I kind of wander around the world. I go through these uh, higher level areas just to see like what's there, and I obviously have my um, tactics tweakers set to like get more rare equipment and get more experience uh and so it just it it comes naturally uh just by just randomly wandering and getting like these uh red and purple uh pieces of equipment uh either from drums or stealing it and i just don't really think about it that much i think the the thing that does bother me is there are places in the world like especially uh caves are a big uh uh, like are, are especially guilty for this in the you know, community where it's just blatant like copy and pasting caves yeah all around the it world. actually reminds me a lot of um what was it it was one of the tales games i think zisteria where like every forest looked the same and then there was like a cave that looked the same and it's almost exactly like that mm-hmm. where it's just like there's there's basically like three different types of these like mini dungeons in nino kuni 2 there's a forest there's a shrine and there's a cave and they basically are just slightly different, like like paths and room asset and like room configuration, but they all look the same. And you know, it it's, it kind of does feel a little bit like fluff, but yeah, I mean, the, I, like, mean I don't hate it. It is kind of a little awkward. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's just one of the my pet peeves. Like, oh man, I I uh, saw this like I traveled out here to this far off cave. I wonder if there's any cool thing cool there. I'm like, there might be a chest or like a higgledy stone. But man, that you walk in, it's like, oh, this is exactly. This looks exactly the same as like the last five I've been in. Fuck. Yeah. So it kind of it kind of just does wear on you, but uh, for the most part, I'm, I'm still enjoying it. Uh, I've also uh, took a peek at. Uh, man, let me go find the 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 English title for this. This is kind of. Uh, I think it's there. It is. Is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dun- dungeon? Question mark. Memoria freeze. That's the whole title of the new uh, mobile game that just uh, recently got localized uh, by Crunchyroll, and that's kind of their first venture into it. This game has been out in Japan for I want to say maybe a little over a year, uh, and I don't know. It's a, it's kind of a it's based on a popular a popular light novel that got a TV anime adaptation. Uh, and it it seems like your typical mobile game so far. It, it the production values are nice, has a lot of like animated cutscenes, uh, straight from the straight from the show, fully voiced. Uh, wait, 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 one second. Mm-hmm. First of all, the only thing I know about this show is that's it. Uh, Am wait, I thinking wait, the right you, one? You, you you cut out. Well, what did you say? Oh, sorry. The only thing the only thing I know about this show, manga, or whatever light novel is Hestia. Is that the right one? Yes, that's the right one. So the okay, base, yeah, like, the... I'm not really I'm not really into this scene too much, but I, I you know I get glimpses yeah, of it. I guess it's like is this exactly. the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, but, that is exactly um, the right one. Um, the the basic plot of this that that you that you mentioned, Hestia is this goddess, and the whole world premise is the gods and goddesses kind of uh, descend upon uh, the world. And uh, uh, create families of their own, like like kind of clans and squads of their own. And you, the main character, is named Bell, and he's like the, the the sole member of this Hestia familia. 
And now, when you say there's like animated cutscenes, are they like or straight from the anime? Are they it literally seems like just they're like straight from the anime, yeah. copy pasted? Like, not they're not like new animated new animations. It's just it doesn't look like it's. The... Okay. Try to remember it. It does look like it's either uh, straight from the anime or very, very, very close. That it feels like it, it's straight from the anime. I know okay. there's like a new animated opening sequence that's probably brand new, but like uh, like if as for the events, there are like sometimes still shots, and then sometimes they're they're more animated. Uh, yeah. Either way, um, but like you know, the overall presentation seems like a, a bar up from most other uh, games of its type, and so like the the whole premise is like you have these uh, gods and goddesses, familias, like trying to traveling to this tower, this dungeon, and kind of ascend up to up to it. I forgot the main goal of what you get up uh, up there, but um, and so it's like it's a it's a turn based RPG. You kind of go into these dungeon floors and you kind and you move around. Um, there's an auto run and auto battle, and then you kind of go into battle. It's uh, it's kind of it it does. I think the I think there's the Dragon Quest way where you you pick everyone's commands first, and then you get and you you pick attack, and then that's when everyone goes through their actions, right? Yep. Yeah, that's a, so it is like that. Instead, I, of, instead of doing attack animation, attack animation, it's uh, pick everyone's commands, press attack, and then everyone will go through it in one go. If I, I, a lot of people just call that turn based. If you want to get pedantic, it's more like a round based system. I think like <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the wild arms or the earlier wild arms games do that too. Oh yeah, where, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not strictly turn based because you kind of just pick all your moves at once. Then it, there's like a some sort of agility stat that factors who goes first or whatever right and and this one seems uh pretty easy to get into because it's just uh a lot of like hey before before you uh, pick attack you can like actually uh instead of doing the attack command you kind of uh you can choose hey do you want to do a skill or like spells to like buff up your people and people who are really into that uh anime series uh uh, will probably get a lot out of this because there's a lot of character interaction well that's actually one thing that's that's what one thing I was curious about. This is a gotcha game, so you're like yes. rolling for character. Mm-hmm. You're rolling yeah. for characters, yeah, like you, usual. You do, yep, you do. It goes through that uh, same flow of like, hey, download the game. It'll take you through the tutorial. There's a there's a tutorial role that that you can do. It goes up to four stars, I believe. I, I think you can like max. Uh, there's like systems in place to add on more stars to the people. So I know you can get like even like inky dinky one star people to like four stars if well, you're really. One thing I was wondering about, like. I, I was under the assumption that this light novel, just based on osmosis, was you know just had a smaller cast of characters, not something like I don't know, Dragon Ball or Naruto or One Piece that have like gigantic casts. So like, are there a lot of characters to like to get from the from the gotcha? I have no idea. Like the final count, because I know it's not not just the light novel series alone. There are other. Oh. There's like another like, um, I forgot what it's called off the top of my head. But there's like another spinoff series. That uh, stars uh, one of the like side, side characters, characters. And, yeah, yeah. And, and then the, she sees through it from her perspective, like uh, what happened in, in her side of the event. So it's kind of like a parallel story to the main story, uh, and then but there are only uh, there are other characters that only appear like in her side of the story, but the, all of those are combined in this game. I don't know the exact count. I, I assume it's enough because that you know there are other characters that um, have different costumes. 
or outfits. Oh, and of that's course, how like you, the, that's yeah. how you make up for it. Yeah. So like I, I did like my role and then I got this four star character. And it's like, uh, you know, one of the main characters that assists Bill in his story, but instead of her uh, typical get up, uh, she's like in like this bathing suit and whatnot. I'm like, and, and, and it's ridiculous because her, her in-game sprite is just her in her bathing suit, but it's like, she's just battling like normal with her fucking <laughs> bow, like crossbow. And I'm just like, yeah, this, this practical battle yep. attire, I guess. Um, you know, gotcha games are gonna gotcha and whatnot. Um, but it, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird because they have like this whole like uh, growth development where they're like uh, hexagon nodes. It kind of reminds you of um, if you remember Digital Devil Saga two, like the way they kind of spread out their whole node system in that game instead of like the the linear straight line system from the first Digital Devil Saga it was more of a kind of like a ball or a hexagon. It was, it was sort of like a sphere grid, yeah. Only, only, even only. even even more open than that. Yeah, so. it, it feels like it's kind of resembles that in shape, but then like you have to um, fill out all these nodes so you can like add on another star to like the person. I don't know. It's weird. I'm I'm, I'm an early game kind of stuff. I, I don't. I'm not really invested enough in the IP. I had just had a passing interest of uh, see where Crunchyroll uh, is going with this. The, I did notice like even in the tutorial poppers, there's already kind of like blatant like grammatical errors and and like weird stiff um phrasing like um hmm. so that that's kind of a bit of an odd one let me I, let me hold on let me find i i remember someone pointed out some examples okay here we go uh to go like uh, like say it's like the how to play like you know how to play the game like how to go on quest like the the, the tutorial will say how to play quest to go on an quest you'll need to use your stamina. Select your quest and press the quest button, which is, okay, and quest. Yeah. Or, like, on the beginning of your turn battle, assist skill will be activated automatically. Skill will be effective throughout the whole battle. So just, like, very stiff stuff yeah. like that is, um, I don't know. Hopefully, those are easy fixes, but hopefully it's not, like, a, this yeah. is, like, rem, <laughs> like, like a kind of a sign of like where things are gonna go forward from here. Uh, so I'm, but I, it's more about curiosity's sake of like how uh, how invested is Crunchyroll into this. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't like meet the untimely demise of uh, you know just this past week, uh, Tales of the Rays players, uh, another uh, Tales mobile game uh, that just uh, bare, I think it's like even under a year into it of the English version, they're now shutting it down. Like I think by the mid April, I believe, or at the end of April. Which kind of sucks because they uh, there was another Tales of mobile game called Tales of Link, I think. Yeah, I think that... I, I I don't really play mobile games, so some of these honestly blend together. Um, but I think yeah, Tales of Link was an older one, and Tales of the Rays is, is a newer one. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure it's. I I see like I follow like Banda Namco's Japanese accounts, and they they promote it a lot in Japan. So I imagine it's. Decently popular there, um, but I guess not in the, the English version. Not yeah, so much. Yeah, that sucks because they, they, yeah, they've been really pushing Tales of the Rays a lot in Japan, like with a new story arc and uh, brand new, like you know, like uh, a lot of characters that haven't showed up yet are like going to show up in this one. So that things are looking bright over there, while like the the global version, just a, a lot of acquaintances that I know who've been uh, playing that game just feel bummed out, especially after they closed down Tales of the Link. Um, they they basically told people, hey, we have another Tales of game, Tales of the Rays, go play that, you know, uh, and then be like, okay, I guess we'll migrate over. Now, and, do yeah. you play Fate Go or do you play the English version of it? I, I do play Fate. the the English version of Fate Grand Order. No, that was that was Anyplex who did the localization, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Now, if I remember correctly from that one, like 
some of the early game how to play type tutorial stuff wasn't localized very well, but it seems to have it like improved over time. Is that what you experienced? That's that's what I like re- recall just from observation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, that's yeah. FateGo definitely uh, suffered similar problems in the in in the early goings of like very stiff uh, English lines. I I don't know. They they said they went back and like revised some of it. I never went back to go like do a compare contrast kind of deal because I'm not insane. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, are you but, sure? but I, I I know there are there they have been improving. There was a recent event uh, where they had uh, the Count of Monte Cristo uh, and Mendantes like he had his own event and like uh, like his lines were very much in tune with his character, uh, and, and that was kind of neat to see uh, in there. So it's it's kind of up and down like because they uh, outsourced the translation and uh, and the editing for it. So it's kind of. It's almost like the flip of the coin, whether you're going to get like the good translators or the or the kind uh, of uh, mediocre ones. Uh, so I, I don't know if there's they've really established a consistency for it yet, but yeah. well, I think they've been improving. I know they had a new story chapter that was set in in America, and that had a pretty enjoyable script for the most part. Um, I, there were still kind of, kind of iffy ones uh, from in there, but I, I think I think compared to how it launched last year, it's it's at a much better spot. Um, so you know, there's always room for improvement. Uh, I know a, a lot of uh, mobile developers, uh, whether they're it's in Japan or mm-hmm. in the, uh, getting localized in English. They, a lot of them embraced ongoing like patch structure of global. Like, hey, we got to meet deadlines. Like, just push this out. And yeah. if you have time, if you have resources, we'll go back and like try to fix it. Because overall, like, uh, I can't imagine a big chunk of their uh, player base is like swearing off the game because they're yeah. like. like say like 10 mistranslated lines you know so yeah makes sense <laughs> yeah i mean you get you have you have to you have to put your resources and time where, where it actually matters which is like getting out the events at like the proper way instead of instead of oh no we'll delay it by a month just like kind of do some tweaks with the script you know <laughs> yeah i get what you're saying yeah but other than that i haven't, I haven't really been playing too much um uh, I don't know what else I'm actually looking forward to. I, I don't. I haven't been really keeping up with like what's kind of releasing next. But I'm perfectly happy with just kind of going through Nino Kuni two at my own pace. Yep. How about you? What have you been up to? Uh, so I'm still playing. So I finished Nino Kuni, like I mentioned, <laughs> um, and I'm still playing the Secret of Mana remake, which just yesterday crashed on me twice. Hmm. Um, and there's this glitch that I'm, I'm not apparently not even close to the only one who's gotten it. Where like the characters like they 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 like lose their run animation, so they literally like just start sliding Slide across the screen. <laughs> oh man! Like you can move them, but they're just they're not animating at all. They actually have like their legs like it looks like they're like flying. Oh, uh, that's rough. That, that's not hilarious, like, but it's rough. And then some of the enemy characters, uh, like when this glitch kind of activates, which I don't know, I've had it happen like four or five times. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the trigger is. It just seems random, but. Uh, like enemy characters will do the same thing, so it's just it's really silly looking. Like I don't know, like chess pieces, just kind of like moving around, bouncing into each other, and like they can still cast spells, but there's like no animation. That seems just... that seems amusing. It's yeah, amazing. it is. It is kind of amusing. Um, and also there's a there's a besides that besides like crashes and that glitch, there's a glitch where like my playtime says I've been playing for two thousand hours, uh, for well, no I... reason. No, <laughs> this is not. This is not that like a game. Um, but just uh, apparently, that's a glitch other people have gotten run into as well. Or just for some reason, your 
playtime explodes. Have you? And is this the PC, PS4 version or the PC? This is version? the PC version. Um, and I, I've seen other people mention issues. I know Zach when he reviewed it crashes uh, on the PS4 version. So I I think they're kind of just. You know, this game is just not very smooth right now. Do you, like, do you think they're done with support? Do you think they're done like kind of patching? It's like, hey, it's out there. A friend of mine told me just kind of in cash, just kind of casually, like the, that they're working on another patch. You know, I didn't like verify it, but I, I, so just from that conversation, it sounds like they're maybe still, oh, at least aware of issues. But yeah, it's actually like I think this remake is almost. Serviceable, which is almost not very serviceable. high praise. You should put that <laughs> yeah. in the back of the box. Almost serviceable. <laughs> that, that's the review. Almost serviceable. <laughs> like I, I mentioned last week, how, like you, when you change the visuals, you change the music of Secret of Mana. That's changing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, I can't, it's hard to recommend when it's just in the state it's in now. Uh, in terms of just its polish, so it just and not that the original game was. The original game had a fair amount of bugs too, but I'm pretty sure it didn't crash. Um, it was just kind of wonky in places. But, yeah, so I'm still playing through that. Um, should hopefully finish that this weekend. It's not a very long game, assuming I don't crash all the time. Um, and then I, last this last Monday, I put up my review for The Alliance Alive. At long last, after yeah, a thousand days of having it. This, so let me just, just clarify. Usually when we get reviews, especially for RPGs, I, I feel like we normally get just about it, as much time as you need to complete it. Like it's it's not as much as you'd want to have to review a, an RPG, but it's usually adequate. Not always. Like I sometimes Monday Nameco especially will give us like a game like the day before it releases. Like oh thanks, uh, we won't be able to get that review out in time. Mm-hmm. But this one Atlas was got the game out pretty early, so I had finished it a while ago. Um, so I guess it, not to sound awkward or anything, but it, it allows me to kind of like settle my thoughts on it. I guess. Yeah. So. The Alliance Alive is uh, a JRPG that is trying to bring back the feel of the classics. It's trying to be, you know, there's a lot of games that are trying to aim for that sort of, I guess, goal. Where they, you know, whether it's like Lost Sphere or or whatever, trying to trying to emulate like the games, the the classic RPGs on like the Super Nintendo or whatever. Now, The Alliance Alive, like its predecessor, The Legend of Legacy, are games developed by Cattle Call, a Japanese development house. Uh, that are inspired heavily by Square Enix's Saga series. Uh, Saga series has gotten a little bit of prevalence recently, uh, a little bit at, anyways, with the uh, the release of like Romancing Saga 2 on almost every console, really. Uh, but uh, what the Saga series is known for is it's actually a little bit obtuse in terms of its mechanics. What I mean is uh, characters don't have levels. You don't even see all of the stats for the characters. It's a lot. A lot of it is hidden from the player. And how it works is that your abilities, your stats, your skills are basically powered up through exercised use. So if you have a character that uses physical physical attacks all the time, they're going to get stronger and stronger physical attacks. If you have a character who does magic attacks or healing support type abilities all the time, they're going to get stronger, more potent abilities, uh, and become more adept at that. Um, and that's one of the key hallmarks of the series. So there's always this kind of that interesting twist to it for these types of games. Now, The Legend of Legacy, uh, the game that came before The Alliance Alive. These are both the 3DS, right? Yeah, they're both 3DS games, sorry. Uh, Both localized by Atlas. Now, The Legend of Legacy had basically no story. 
it was a very mechanics-driven game. You were given ba- a very bare outline of the character motivations. It was a saga so, game. Yeah. Uh, even the original saga games had more motivation than that, really. That's true. Uh, they gave you, you a line, at least. Well, I mean, maybe. Saga 1 and 2 are more like that. Saga 3 was kind of the first one that was actually kind of felt like a Final Fantasy, even though it's not, even though it was kind of weird back in the days of localization when they called those Final Fantasy games when they weren't. Anyways, Mm. they were called Final Fantasy Legend in the U.S. and Europe when they were called Saga in Japan. That's how things worked back then. So anyways, I didn't really mind it in The Legend of Legacy, you know, being a mechanics-driven game. It, it, It was a little bit repetitive anyways, and there's other things that I was kind of hesitant on. But a lot of people criticized it for having basically no story. Um, so what they did for the Alliance Alive, which is basically a sequel, it's it's not connected in any way other than being kind of created by the same team. But it's basically a sequel. It, it's, it looks like uh, it's probably on the same engine, huh? Yeah, it is. It okay. and a lot of the animations are similar. They're, I don't think they're exactly the same, but it's very very similar. Um, they one of the major additions to it is that they uh, added the Suikoden. Uh, scenario writer, the basically the creator of the Suikoden series who write the storyline, and that was supposed to be the big uh, addition that, that uh, to the, the bullet game. point on the feature list has a story. Yeah, now. they 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 bulleted that or advertised that as often as they could. The name is Yoshitaka Murayama, the creator of Suikoden. Cool. Now. There is definitely a lot more storyline in this game. The characters are more well defined. There's a lot more interaction between them. Their personalities are more concrete. Um, the game is not voice acted, so it's actually kind of like I don't know, uh, like Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne, where there's you know animations and things, and there's dialogue, but you read it all. There's no voices. Um, but the thing is, the storyline is very, very typical. It's like you basically surround the world. You go to five different special shrines. Once you defeat them all, you you take on the final boss, and it's just it, it feels very gamey. It feels very typical. Uh, the final boss, spoiler, his goal is to like reshape the world to create his own ideal world and Heaven? become a god in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nino Kuni, this is what this is actually the sequel. Uh no. The big but, crossover <laughs> collaboration. But it's it, it just it's not it's not like a poor story and you know some of the characters kind of on a surface level are kind of endearing or 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 quirky or interesting in, in like a very base sort of way, but there's really no depth to anything and I, I feel like it, this adding this kind of story focus didn't really add a whole lot. I mean, a little bit, sure, but it, it, I, I wouldn't say there's anything there that's like, you have to play this, or this is, you know, especially well done, even. Um, but I do think uh, they, they besides that criticism, the, the developers in Furyu, the Japanese publisher, did hear a lot of the other criticisms. The, the, the Legend of Legacy, which, again, is the first game, was also criticized for being especially tough, like tougher than you would expect it to be. Um, and so they toned down the challenge here quite a bit. Mm-hmm. In fact, the first like eight hours of the game or so, uh, it actually goes Dragon Quest Four style where you're kind of switching between different characters um, in the party. But it's, it's almost, how do I put this? I think in the review I actually said it's almost brainless. Um, you don't have to do any sort of thinking at all to get through the battles. You just hold down the attack button, hold down the fast forward button, and you're good. Um, which, you know, is not very interesting. Mm-hmm. But there is a point around the midpoint of the game when your party all comes together where it does jump in difficulty and things get a little bit more interesting on the mechanics front in terms of, okay, I now have nine characters, you have to choose five of them. You have 
Okay, I guess this is a good time for me to kind of jump into the battle system a bit. Maybe before, um, before you go into that, you said at the beginning like it, it kind of it jumps into like different like groups of characters before they all yeah. right? So it's kind of like okay, you've completed this arc for these set of characters, so now you're like in a good kick and go jump over. Okay, all right. Yeah, so like the first two characters you play as are Galil and his. They both they both come like a, from a rain city that's under the control of beasts, and they're basically trying to. Uh, they're they're basically a part of a resistance group, and then like it jumps to these demon characters, which are also part of the game, Vivian and uh, Ignis, and then it jumps to other characters, um, Rachel and I forget his name. It's uh, some sort of mage dude. Uh, so and basically they all have like different kind of goals initially, and but of course they all eventually come together and form one right. giant party. And basically up to that point, it's it's almost like a, a really long prologue. It's several hours long. I want to say six to eight hours to finish all of that. But it's wow. it's it's just because uh, each each one of them is like an hour or two uh, or more maybe. Um, but up to that point, it's very 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 easy. <laughs> like you don't have to like mess with anything. You just press attack and you're good. But once they do come together, then it does the the difficulty ramps up. You can explore the world map. You can go into areas that are way too strong for you right away. If you want to challenge yourself, you can certainly do that where the game up to that point is a little bit more linear. Uh, but how the battle system works is it's turn-based. And you have basically three different rows that you can put characters in, but also three different stances that you could put any character in. Huh. So so each character can be in the front row, the middle row, or the back row, and each character can be in a, an attack stance, a guard stance, or a so, support so stance. Na- so nine total characters, but all of them have like the option to go th- switch between three different stances, no matter what. Yes, yeah. Okay. And so there is there are quite a few like permutations in basically how you set this up. So there's there's some freedom there. It's not like, you know, a classic Final Fantasy game or even a classic saga game where you just have your characters and maybe equipment. You you basically have to determine where they're going to be standing and things. So that's interesting. Um like personally how I went through the game is I had basically my character who was most adept with shields in the front. And he would be in a guard stance. Now, the, what that means is his defense is boosted, his attack is diminished. Um, but being in the front, he's more likely to be attacked. But that's what you want for this kind of guard person, and kind of like a, a a tank in any other game. And he, it doesn't matter if his attack is diminished because he's in a guard stance because he's doing these various sorts of guard and counter abilities the whole time. Um, and then I had a character Azura who is in a support stance, kind of in the back. That means she's least likely to be targeted. And her, her her attack's not very good, but her her magic skills are, are are improved. And then I had other characters in attack stances, kind of in various uh, positions. And I, I um, imagine like enemies who like attack with melee attacks have to attack the front row first. They can't just sneak through the back. They can, but I I, I believe it's just like a thing. So like if you have a character in the front, they're more like be targeted okay and the character in the back is less likely to be targeted uh, but is there um, like damage penalties if they like uh target someone in the back yes i think people in the back take like 20 percent less damage people in the front take 20 percent more oh, okay um so so there's a little bit of you know there's flexibility there there's some agency for the player to actually you know decide this is how i want to coordinate this which is cool because even a lot of classic rpgs didn't have that right. and even though this is trying to be a classic rpg there's some of these you know these systems here that are cool the, the, one, the one thing that uh, kind of bums me out a little bit, and I'm not sure if this is a, a, a design thing or what, is once you kind of find a coordination that you like, you don't really want to mess with it, especially the way that skills and techniques power up through exercised use. When you have, like, your guard person guarding every single time and he becomes really, really good at it, 
that, that inevitably means he sucks at attacking. So you never want him to attack. He just guards every single time. And then like your, your healer unit basically gets really good at healing, but kind of also sucks at attacking. So you just have her heal every single time. You see where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. You kind of have your characters doing the same thing in every single battle all the time because that's the most effective way to do it. And so it, it does get a little bit repetitive in that way. Where Do, do you feel like that your strategies were linear for the most part in the game? I think I think the way I put it in my review is that just the way that these systems are set up, it's, it gears itself towards this sort of repetitiveness. Not that it has to be that way, but just because you're almost handicapping yourself if you decide to like mix it up. Because then you're starting to have characters do things that you hadn't had them been doing. Is there is and, there like a ba- like a tug of war bouncing system? Like say like your healer, like the she, she's really good at healing, but once she starts like doing attacking, because you don't really need to heal that much anymore, does that like uh, it decrease her healing uh, ability because you've been attacking? Oh no, there's nothing like that. So okay. like if you if, if your healer gets her healing spell up to like level forty, all 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 abilities have levels in this game. Like, if you have her start using her attacking spells, even if they're, like, level 3 or 2 or whatever, her healing spell's still level 40. It, it doesn't, okay. like... I, I thought it'd be, like, like, it, it, like no, pull, pull your chin. It'd be even out. worse. Oh, man. So, like, what I'm saying is, is you don't have to, like, have your characters do the same thing in every battle. It just, that's... It feels like that's the most effective way to do things, and that's just not very interesting. Um I feel like I'm being a little bit critical in the game. I did enjoy it, but I just there are a couple of things like this that just that that uh, a couple of reservations like this that just kind of make me wonder how it could be improved. Um, I think I think, it, I think it's, not, it's one of those things that, like you you really want to see the full potential of this because you see a lot of great ideas like underneath it, but it's just the way they kind of structured it, uh, the fundamental structure of it kind of holds it back from being so much more. Yeah, and I, like so, like one game that I love that is also a saga game and all that name is The Last Remnant, and that game sort of has a similar, uh, how do I put it, design where like if you create a union in that game that is basically meant to be your attacking union, you have them attack all the time, and then you have like a healing union that heals all the time. But I still feel like that game somehow allowed itself to be a little bit more flexible in terms of there are certain situations where you might want to move a character from one place to another because it actually makes things easier for you. Like, there might be certain battles where you might want to have a second healing union or whatever because you need it. Where I, It's hard for me to describe, even though the design is similar. In this game, it feels like you don't need to change things up once you find a routine that works. Um and that's just a little bit disappointing, even though even though it was me who set up that coordination. So I kind of feel like, yes, I am succeeding, and I am here with this party that I put together, and I'm. It is my basically decisions that are allowing me to win. It still feels like there there's should be somehow a little bit more there. I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah, I, I um, do. Like you, you felt like okay, you found a formation, you found the the tactics and strategy that works for you, but unfortunately, you felt you, you feel you probably found like the one size fits all solution, and there, yeah. I, it, it sort of sounds like that once you found this uh, comfortable solution that you work with, there was no like like enemy or situation that kind of threatened this formation. Yeah. Once it was, uh, I will so say there was, I mentioned this in my review. There was one place where the game does throw a wrench at you and kind of annoying for the reasons that should be pretty obvious. There's a point around the midpoint of the game where your party has to split up and you have to use three separate parties for a little, like, you know, like an event scenario where they, each party has to fight different groups of monsters. And then there's a boss at the end where each of your three parties kind of tackles them separately. And, 
that that actually because maybe just my play style of having like the same party, the same five characters that I've kind of stuck with, doing the same thing over and over again. When the game does throw a wrench at me, it is a little bit frustrating. It's like, oh, now I got to use these four pathetic guys that I haven't been using. Uh, <laughs> but now they have to jump in and actually like contribute. Um, and I actually had to basically, you know, kind of baby them a bit. Like, all right, I, I got to give them some experience and some, you know, some new equipment, you know, so they can at least hold their own a little bit. And then the boss fight that that kind of leads to in this sort of like midpoint climax of the game is especially tough because of the way the game throws a wrench at you. So it would be a little bit. Uh, it would be a little bit of, I would be lying if I said the game doesn't try to mix things up because here it certainly does. Um, but it, it, it almost feels like that's the only point that does it. Oh. And it, it, it is kind of, it's, it's weirdly like, I don't know if I'm being contradictory here. It's kind of frustrating that it forces you to actually mix things up. And that actually <laughs> is the only time it does, but the, the, the game saw through you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, but, I, well, it's also the type of game I should mention that your reserve, because of the way that stats work and there aren't levels or things like that, reserve party members do not get EXP at all. So it's oh. that type of game. <laughs> I, I uh, imagine you could, you could get quite a few because you have your uh, nine party uh, battle yeah. member. Uh-huh. Five people in parties, nine nine members total. Actually, it's more than that. There are the the the, the game like the, the the promotional stuff always advertise nine characters, but there's actually three other characters that you can get too. So there's actually a lot. You can only use less than half the party in any battle. Uh, so it it also kind of sucks that reserve members don't really get any bonuses. Uh, I'm trying to make sure. I'm trying to make sure that's accurate because they their their skills don't level up. You say they might get HP or something in in the reserve. I don't recall at this point. It's been a while, but they, their skills won't level up or anything like that if you don't use them. So now. This is this might this might illustrate my point best. I, after that, after the sort of midpoint difficulty spike, uh, I was kind of playing the game late at night, and I kind of just said to myself, "Yolo, I'm just going to see how far I can get, just kind of blitzing through everything, and let's just see, like, without messing with equipment, without really, um, tr- without messing with things like that, it just just try to beeline it to the end. How far can I get? And I got to the end and beat the final boss, like." It, it toned down a bit, and they're like, like, "Oh, I didn't expect it to be that weird." Yeah, um, it's actually kind of funny. the The final dungeon itself, um, it's a, it's a very typically generated RPG where you go through these dungeons and you know you complete them in sequence and whatnot. Um, so nothing really unique on that front. But like the final dungeon, a lot of the random encounters in that dungeon are actually kind of like time consuming. Because there's a lot of enemies that have high HP uh, pools, and you have to you have to spend a lot of SP points to like take them out efficiently, so you're not dragging things out. It wasn't necessarily difficult. It was just kind of like, man, I don't want to fight these guys. It just takes so long. Yeah, so I, I hate I, that too. I always dread like RPG final dungeons that like you you, you you see it from a mile away. You see where the HP totals right. Like uh, I know the Super Robot Wars games are definitely guilty of this. For like the last like like third of the stages. You're just like, fuck, man, I just took down all these high HP enemies, then there's, like, more reinforcements, and after you take out those reinforcements, more reinforcements might come, and you might have even more HP. And at some point, you're just, like, going crazy. Yeah, well, like, like you literally enter, like, a room in the game, and you see... They're not actually random encounters or, like, icon. That typical progression, you run into an icon. Um, you, you see, like, ten of these different enemy icons on the map, and you're just like, man, if I take all these guys out, that's going to take, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> 
maybe not that long, but like 15 minutes at least to take all these guys out. Um, actually, it probably isn't like 20 minutes. I kind of think about it. But anyway, so like I actually kind of decided to myself, I'm just going to skip all past these guys and go to the final boss and see if I can win. And I did. Uh, and it's just, I was kind of like sitting there and almost like disbelief, like, huh, I just sort of, I, I skipped enemies in like the last two dungeons and I still just defeat the final boss without too much hassle. Um, so I, I, what, I get, what I'm getting at, I guess, is that some of the, um, the balancing, I guess, kind of feels a little bit weird. Uh, so these are the sorts of things I just kind of feel like these that were, prepared. I still enjoyed the game. It still was a game that I felt like, it, it felt like a comfy game in terms of um, its style and its tone and, you know, I, 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 there were some things I appreciated about it, but there were just a, a couple of things that I, I gave it a seven on a review. If you want to boil it down to a number, but that just kind of held me off of really getting its hooks into me. So. Would you say it's it's an improvement over uh, people who didn't like Legend of Legacy? Should they give this a I, shot? I would say yes. Uh, I also gave the Legend of Legacy a seven, just for the record. But things like the storyline is not egregiously bad it's just there's it's just it's just kind of there you know it's so there's something there if you need if you need something in terms of a story i, I, I imagine a lot of people like want context in what they're doing these days yeah <laughs> and it's I there it's fine yeah also things like the legend of legacy did not perform well it had a on the 3ds it, it uh had a lot of frame you know issues where things would really bog down with really high you know nothing super fancy as a 3ds game but it's still like effects would cause things to to to, to become really sluggish. This game doesn't run into issues like that. Um, the there's now you can being able to use like five party members now instead of three uh, is it allows for a little bit more flexibility. Like I mentioned, at least in setting up your coordination. Also, and this is really important, Legend of Legacy did not have a fast forward mode in battle. The Alliance Alive does, so that's like that alone is honestly huge. So okay. I'll take more and more games. More and more games are doing that. Yeah. I think. That's I think a great it's kind of thing. That, okay, that's kind of a weird thing to say about like RPGs now, like uh, getting more more than getting fast forward modes. Because isn't that just like indicative, like, hey, maybe RPG developers should just like stop making like sluggish RPG battle mm-hmm. systems or like sluggish RPGs in general if they need to include a fast forward mode. I know. <laughs> it's just it's just a weird thing to like think about because I I know even like. Fate Grand Order, like at la- the Japanese launch, um, the fucking battles took forever because battle animations took were such a slog, and they literally had to put like a, a two times fast forward mode. They patched that into the Japanese one like a few months later, and that that makes it more bearable. And it's just one of those things that like you kind of go through development. It's like, well, what was what was the point of even making it this slow then? If you if you were just yeah. gonna make a fast forward mode, it, it, it is a nice addition though. Like it actually kind of reminds. me Fire Emblem games. Whenever you play a Fire Emblem game, when you start out, you have the animations on. You want to see what you know what the Swordmaster looks like when they're taking out enemies or the mage or whatever. But everybody always inevitably is going to turn those animations eventually because once you've seen them, you know a dozen times, like all right, I know what that looks like. <laughs> so it's kind of like you know once you've seen like the different animations and things like that in an RPG or what the skills look like or whatever. The way that RPGs are, and especially how long they are, you usually end up are going to be seeing these animations over and over again. So having the ability to, to kind of, you know, notch it up a bit for like a turbo mode or whatever, whether it's The Last Remnant has it, the Cold Steel and other Trails games. Actually, I think all the Trails games now have it on PC. Uh, and a bunch of games, uh, Bravely Default had it. 
Dra- uh, Dragon Quest Eight on 3DS had it, it added it from the PS2 version. So you're seeing this more and more often with these little these sort of ways to just kind of make those those sections go by a little faster. Um, I don't think it like trivializes anything. It's just, it's, it is just a nice option to have, just in terms of a quality of life mm-hmm. bonus. So, so it's our, definitely appreciated. Where's our Xenoblade to fast forward mode? Yeah, <laughs> I mean doesn't, that doesn't, doesn't quite so work for the non. Yeah, I mean the, yeah, that that you just see chaotic. You'll you, you'll fast forward and then like and then like three seconds later you're probably dead. Actually, that, that kind of that's amusing. It kind of reminds me of Final Twelve. Uh, the original version didn't have any fast forward mode. Oh, yeah, the right. the international version had a four times fast forward mode, <laughs> which is actually ridiculous. Now Final Fantasy Twelve is not quite turn based, not type, not quite action. It's like a real time. Mixed, weird, awkward mix. Yeah, but like four times mode on that is ridiculous. And if you're in, if you're in a place that is like not a cakewalk, you probably end up like dead before you know it because it's so fast. So Unless actually, you have actually godly kinda, gambits on you. Yeah, they actually. It's actually kind of amusing. In the Zodiac Age remaster, they added a two times mode. So they're like a happy medium. It's faster, but not too fast. That's cool. Nice. Uh, I uh, so do you think? Now with Legend Legacy and Lions Alive, do you do you think they may they'll make another one of these? And do you think it'll it'll be on Switch? Maybe. Uh, what would you developer... like to, what would you like to see like in a third one? Like now, now that you see kind of like the roadmap of like what they're thinking of like kind of kind of ad- directly addressing the the downfalls of the previous one. What do you think in a theoretical third game of this series? Do you think they they'll improve upon uh, with uh, from the Alliance Alive? Because now, cause, you know, of course, they added a story that was like the big glaring thing from Lack of yeah. Legend Legacy. Like, what do you think is like the big glaring th- flaw from this that they'll tweak? Okay, my my immediate answer, which may not be the best answer, and it's also maybe a harder articulate, is I think they need to kind of work on things like the, like the combat balance. Because, like, the, the original game was too tough. Like, it, it actually, I don't want to say it required grinding, but it was the type of game that would very easily catch you off guard, and you had to put a lot of thought into almost every single battle in that game, else you end up with the game over screen. Um, and then this game, was it felt kind of awkward where, like, the first couple hours are, like, a cakewalk, then there's, there's, like, this weird difficulty spike in the middle, and then, like, once you find, once at least once I found a, a group that worked, that basically worked for, like, the last quarter of the game or more so i kind of feel like i don't know some way to to make it a little bit more balanced in terms of just like the actual combat specs the combat stats you know enemy abilities and things like that it's a harder thing to tackle it's not just as easy as adding a story maybe but i think that's the thing that i i would want to see the most improved in in a potential third game it's a hard thing to articulate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just kind of thinking of like the kind of the what what are the obvious steps to to success here for them? Because I I, I I do really like seeing more of these uh, games stick around because I I don't want to like lose these kind of more traditional experiences that kind of add a few neat tweaks to the formula uh, to kind of not make it too overbearing for modern players. Uh, I, do you do you think these uh these would work well? Like say they got like remastered or whatever things to the switch do you think that uh the like the jump to from two screens to one screen would it like uh deeply affect these games or do you think they can only Actually, be on a 3ds Nah, these games don't are not they really don't do anything special to 3ds the bottom screen is just a map you know it's it's not like it's not even like etrian odyssey where like the map is like that useful 
So it's just kind of like a Bravely game or whatever, where they just use the bottom screen for a map. That doesn't have to be there, you know. Speaking you can just do an overlay map. We're still waiting for whatever that that uh, Christmas teaser from the Bravely team was up. Remember that little Christmas image they had up with a switch on their uh, part of it? Oh, I don't remember that actually. Yeah, like uh, they had they they were teasing like around Christmas time. They had like this new Bravely like artwork on their Twitter, and then like one of the like the stockings. I think the, a switch was in it. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. Well, hopefully, we'll I, see something new. I probably don't need to say this, but I kind of feel like I, I want to. Mm-hmm. I I did enjoy my time, kind of like with Nino Cooney, Alliance Alive. Like I, you know, I didn't hate it or anything like that. Sometimes I feel like when I list my criticisms or reservations, I feel like I'm just assailing the game, and I, I don't mean to. I, like I, I still enjoyed it, and it's still like in a sense just like Nino Cooney scratching itch. And I know some people from like other RPG, like I know a person from RPG Gamer who's been playing through the game. I don't know if he's doing it for a review or not. He seems to like it a hell of a lot more than I do in terms of like, he, he's like like really enamored with it. Um, so it seems like it's this sort of tone, this sort of style that, that you know, maybe these sorts of older style games have um, that in a more cinematic modern RPG you don't get as much. Um, I just There's just a couple of things that like really prevented me from like really liking it but i still thought like i'm so glad i played it yeah. i played far worse mm-hmm. <laughs> far I, 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 it's worse. also important to know you know like uh get, getting that like deep analytical analytical cut like it uh, it's it, it's not meant to be like uh, yeah. taken as cynicism it's it's more just like yeah, just really taking a deeper harder look because you know we, we, rpgs are our thing we, we we've dealt with a lot of rpgs and just kind of uh how we view rpgs is, is definitely a more just kind of like really cutting into it of like well what, what we love because we've we've had yeah. a lot of time to kind of uh think about like what we like in rpgs what what, what uh, speaks to our taste and you know that our taste will not always coincide with some others like you know some people who like nino kuni too like really like the easygoing way of it but a lot of people who don't uh, dislike nino kuni too are people like you know who really want challenge out of their rpgs and, and both uh criticisms are, val- are valid you know like yeah people want to be rewarded from like uh hard work yeah, like I know some people who, you know, their criticism of Nino Kuni 2 is, like, actual quote, this game is too piss easy. It's like, well, that's <laughs> sort of true. But you, you just have to have, like, or I think you just kind of have to, you know, it's this sort of, you have to you have to have, like, certain expectations for what the game is. And, you know, yes, the game is a fairly easy game. So if you're looking for something that really, like, tests your metal and or, like, like not even, like, the Alliance Alive, you don't really get that... I guess you maybe do kind of get a lot of control over certain things in that game, but it's just it's the sort of game that it's just the sort of style that it's going for, I guess. So it's just whether or not that's really what you were looking for or not. So and that's the thing; a lot, everyone values something different. Yeah. Um, and RPGs are just so complex. I mean, video games in general, but RPGs especially, I think. Yeah, because because the people like uh, their RPGs a billion different ways. And, and there's and one there's like a billion and, different types. Yeah, and there's so many things that could go wrong in there too, which is. You know, yep. it is what it is. <laughs> On to the news. We got a starting off with a big one. Finally, Square Enix has spoken about when Dragon Quest XI is coming out to the West. Dragon Quest XI: Echoes of an Elusive Age is coming to the West on September four for PS4 and PC via Steam. So this means that the 3DS version is unfortunately not coming over, which is cool. Which is cool with, with its cool like 2D. 3D style uh, Dragon Quest thing, so that that version not coming to the West, uh, and they also spoken uh, to IGN 
about the the Switch version, which is uh, the Switch version is actually confirmed for localization, but it's still uh, in development, and they've uh, said, quote unquote, that it's far off. Uh, so who knows when we'll see the Switch version of Dragon Quest Eleven? Who knows um, whether that's gonna take up like the PS4 visuals or the the cool thing that the 3DS thing has going? We have really no idea what yeah. the Switch version is looking like. But for now, we'll take what we can get. September 4, mark your calendars, Dragon Quest Eleven, PS4, and Steam. And yeah, the I, Steam I, version I, is cool. Yeah, I, I know they're like adding uh, some new things uh, to the Western release. Can you speak about that? Yeah, so it... Uh, one second here, let me pull up the press release. So firstly, it's very similar to Final Fantasy... Or not Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest VIII. Uh, so for those who aren't aware, maybe our younger listeners... Dragon Quest VIII, when it released in Japan on PlayStation 2, back in 2005, somewhere around there, um, it did not have Japanese voices. And I don't think I don't think any Dragon Quest game had voices up to that point when it released. I don't think so. I might be wrong. But Dragon Quest VIII did not. Um, but when they released it in English, uh, it they added an English voice cast to it. So everything was voiced. And that was a little bit weird. You, know? you don't see that too often where yeah. the localization just adds voices. Um, one second, let me pull up the press release here. Okay. So they're doing the same thing here. The, re- the release in Japan did not have 10 years later or whatever, more than 10 years later. Um, it's a little bit awkward because most console games, especially with like these cinematic type games, have voices. Um, so th- they argued when they were developing this in Japan that this, you know, whatever argument you want to you want to make it was like this game is a classic style game so they're trying to keep it classic style without voices or they want characters or they want players to imagine them or whatever um now i don't know if they just decided when they're localizing it that adding a voice track will actually like makes the game that much more appealing to western audiences i, ima- I imagine i imagine that it, that is especially yeah. the, the case because i know a lot of people that they they have a tough time getting through a game these days if it doesn't have voices at all. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't agree with that sentiment, but I, there are, like I played Alliance Alive, and I didn't really. I'm not sitting there wishing there was voices necessarily, but um, it's that is the biggest addition to this version. And from that little trailer they they released, they, the voices sound pretty neat. There weren't a lot of them, uh, but they sound pretty good from what I've heard so far, just from the from the small from the small clips we've seen. They also are adding a new... This is also something that Dragon Quest VIII did. Instead of using the classic Dragon Quest-style menu, which you'll see in basically any of the 3DS games, for example, it has, like, a new menu. I know some people hate it. They hate this new menu. You know, I don't know I, if it's I, just... I'm kind of mixed on it because... Uh, yeah. So, so basically with this new menu, is kind of like a more of like a... Like a... Like a, a page or a log type deal, like it, it looks like you know it's a... Like kind of... Stylized. Yeah, stylized, like... kind of... Like kind of like flipping down a scroll. Uh... uh unlike the Japanese release where it was like a full transparent like you saw it was a very minimalistic approach in the Japanese uh, style menu I mean, where they had like borders but they were all transparent and, and the Dragon Quest like, menus have been yeah. the same in Japan like ever Forever. like they're always the same yeah. menu so it, it, you've, if you played any of the Dragon Quest on DS or 3DS it's there Yeah, personally I, I'm I not wonder, really I wonder if they're going to tweak it because I, I don't like that the new menu that we're having like kind of uh, covers up uh, some of the UI like I know in the, in the the little clip that we saw, like it, it kind of covers a, a little it's bit of like big. The, the, the. It's a much bigger the, menu. It takes yeah, up like more. The HP portraits, well. yeah, it kind of covers more of that. Now the one thing I don't really mind the menu too much. Like I don't honestly care 
that much. Now, the thing I do care about, the, the Dragon Quest Eight on PlayStation 2, its menus were sluggish. Hmm. Like, it took a while for them to load and, like, appear when you hit the menu button and, to, like, going through the different menus. They just, it was kind of tedious to do that. They're like, as long as these menus are snappy, then I don't really mind too much. That, that, that's, that's, I mean, like, I, I think I would might, I probably, if I had to choose, would just prefer just use the classic menu. There's nothing wrong with it. But as long as they're just snappy and they work, that's still a big leg up over what Dragon Quest Eight on PlayStation 2 had. Um, but yeah, so they're adding, they're, they're changing up the menu. There's a new uh, dash function. So I guess there's a way to have your characters dash. Oh yeah, they, they showed that a little running. bit in the, in, the, in the clip. Like when the actual dude on the, on the screen like started running, I think that's a new, that's a new yeah. uh, thing in the Western release, which is a weird thing to think about. It's like, you can finally run in this game now. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those quality of life things, you know? It doesn't take so long to traverse the world map at the same like normal, tra- normal jog or whatever. Um, <laughs> and there's a camera mode. It's like a, it's just like a photo mode taking pictures. So that's added. That's new. Oh, that's cool. There's, okay. There's also, now this one, they say it's new, but I think I saw some people mentioning that it's not actually new. They, the, the, the English press release calls it Draconian Quest, a hard mode that offers additional challenges for more experienced players. Now, they didn't really describe, I don't think, unless I missed it in a little video, what that is exactly. Uh, we were just talking about how maybe sometimes mm-hmm. hard modes can be appreciated, appreciated, but I think the Japanese version had a mode that was sort of like a hard mode or at least like a limited mode. I don't really know the details, so I don't know how new this is or if it's like a tweaked version of that or whatever, but those are the things that they're advertising are new in this localization. So it's it's kind of like the Dragon Quest Eight localization. It's not just, you know, a translation. It, they're, they kind of they are taking the Japanese release and updating it a bit. This is this has actually felt like this was a little bit more common a couple of generations back than it is nowadays. Although you still see it from time to time, or when it's localized, they take that opportunity to kind of polish it in ways. Uh, so that's what they're doing here. And the the, the Steam release is also it's not totally uh, unexpected because the Dragon Quest Heroes games showed up on Steam. Yeah. Uh, but you know it wasn't it wasn't it, a it given. Is the, it is the first time a mainline Dragon Quest is coming to Steam. Yeah, yeah. So that's, so that's it's actually cool. that's actually kind of interesting. Like Square Enix, obviously putting more games on Steam. Nero was on Steam. Heck, uh, they put all the Final Fantasy games are basically on Steam F-15 now. Fifteen with Windows Edition. Yep. They put uh, they put Star Ocean on Steam. Star Ocean Four. Oh, that yeah, was like true. out of nowhere. That like, was weird. I forgot <laughs> that exists. Yeah, like it has like I, a really bizarre name too. Just like 4K or HD and 4K remaster. <laughs> That's the title. Um, I actually think Star Ocean 4 is a decent game if you strip out all the character and story stuff. I think it's an actually decent game, but I have no interest in replaying it on PC. If it gets what a I'm getting discount at, on Steam, maybe I'll think about it. Just, just put it as a collection at least. Um, and obviously, like, World of Final Fantasy went on Steam, Romancing Saga went I th- on I Steam. I think we're just counting down the days till like, they put Star Ocean 5 on Steam. That's what I think. Yeah, I, and I think, like, Kingdom Hearts 3, maybe? I mean, I, that I, has, I, whole, I, I, I that really has the whole Disney it. thing. Yeah, the, that, that has I think the whole Disney thing. I think that's that, going to be a weird one. But I think after Dragon Quest, Star Ocean, Romancing Saga, and heck, uh, there's also um, Saga Scarlet Grace has, is, getting, is going oh, to yeah, Steam. Yeah, that's right. They still haven't confirmed that for localization, although having a Steam release is a pretty big giveaway. Um, but They're, basically, I think like every major Square Enix property is on Steam, even Chrono Trigger, even if it's not very good. <laughs> uh, so like Kingdom Hearts is like that one 
thing. It's Kingdom Hearts seems like out. the least likely to be on Steam, but it's like it's the only thing left. Uh, uh, I mean, there's Final Fantasy VII remake when we're almost at the end of our lives. Oh, I forgot that wasn't confirmed for Steam yet. I mean, well, I guess that, that that's usual Square Enix. Yeah, I feel like that's in the middle. Steam. Uh, Near Automata was actually a little bit different in that the Steam version was announced before the console version released. They weren't released at exactly the same time, but like a three-week difference. But yeah, this Dragon Quest being announced for PlayStation 4 and for Steam, you know, the, at least the release date being announced at the same time, same day, that's pretty... They don't do that very often. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm so. excited for all this, like of these uh, things coming to Steam, because that mean that just holds off my purchase of a PS4 Pro, like even further. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, I can. There's no reason to really like get one if like all these are just coming to Steam. I can just like that. I can go through all yeah. the awesome visual enhancements that way. But, Honestly, yeah. like I don't, I don't want to sound like a PC brigade person, but the one thing I like about being on PC is that like once I have it on Steam, I know it'll like unless there's some weird extenuating circumstance, like I'll always have a PC that I'm able to play it on versus like if it's on PlayStation 4, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, am I going to have my PlayStation 4 hooked up? I don't know, <laughs> but I will probably have a PC hooked up. Yeah. So that's actually, that's actually like one of the main reasons why I like to buy on PC when I can. Um, it's just knowing that I'll be able to play it because I'll always have some PC at some point, you know, whether I, the, it's a laptop you're just or reminding, whatever. You're just reminding me that I need to do some, uh, I've always uh, meant to like do some housekeeping on like my PlayStation Three, maybe in PlayStation Two library of like uh, of games that like I should probably take out of them because they already I already have like some version of them on Steam that hopefully yeah. isn't bad. Uh, so I, I need to. Go I, th- <laughs> I think I downloaded Trails of Cold Steel One and Two to my play. Play these point. I'm like, oh, now they're on PC. And not only that, but they're like apparently way better on PC because of the new additions and whatnot. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I need to get trail, the both Trails games, even though I got, like, the, like, the, I don't know if it was, like, a limited edition. I don't think there's an expensive version, but there's, like, the that whole special got, fancy smash. You, you, you got the, like, the special dual pack yeah. packaging from Xseed, yeah. Yeah. So. Anyways, so Dragon Quest Eleven, I'm really excited for it. It kind of has similar tone to, like, Nino Kuni, I think, uh, only maybe a bit more, I don't know, similar tone to that, where it's, it feels like a very classic sort of all ages sort of RPG mm-hmm. um, that I don't know. I'm really looking forward to it. I, everyone who's played it has said great things about it. I feel uh, I know the one thing that people are kind of disappointed in is the music. Uh, it feels like uh, they kind of cheaped out there where they didn't record a whole do, lot do of you think, do, I imagine there's going to be PC mods to like put in like orchestral tracks. Well, here's the thing like Dragon Quest eight, for example, on PlayStation two, this is another thing. I don't believe the PlayStation 2 version in Japan had orchestrated music. I, I might be wrong on that. The English version so, did. Mm-hmm. The English version of yeah, Dragon Quest VIII on PlayStation 2 had a fully orchestrated soundtrack, and it was great. When they released it on 3DS, it no longer has it. Or at least it, it does in the Japanese version, but on the English version, I'm sorry, I don't have all, these, all this straight. I know the English version did not have it, and actually that was something that they modded in on hacked 3DSs was to, to get the orchestrated music there. But for Dragon Quest XI, I don't think an orchestrated score exists. Um, although a lot of the tracks are used, so I guess they probably do exist in some way. It's just, it's just if, it's, some of the music decisions that, they, that the Dragon Quest series goes through are just really awkward. Anyways, that's, that's kind of an aside. It's like the only thing I've seen, that's the main thing I've seen people complain about that game is that the music is just, there's no, well, as one person, a friend of mine put it, like the game doesn't really have a musical identity. Like a lot of the other Dragon Quest do for them anyway, mm. just 
nah. It's, it's, anyways, I'm really excited for it. It comes out in September, which I think is a good time for it. I'm not sure if anything else really huge is meant by that point. No, 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 uh, I, nothing really pops up. Who knows, right? I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, my, it's my, still I'm early. I'm sure by year. E3 we'll get like a ton of games around it, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm excited as well. And then, still on Square Enix, Square Enix uh, opened up a new studio called Luminous Productions, and that's being headed by the one and only Hajime Tabata, who is the director of Final Fantasy XV. And this is uh, this new development team is kind of more focused on continuing to use the FF15's game engine, the Luminous engine. And that's kind of, it is a... Bizarre I think all they. I think the only thing you have, the only other notable global release, which you know, with Square Enix big studio, that's kind of a given. You know, it, 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 this is something. These, these are games that they're meant to sell worldwide. Like they're keeping Western audiences in mind. It's not a lot of Japanese companies. They'll they might develop for Japan first, and like you know, localization to, to exporting for them is just you know, it's just whatever. Is this, is this just a, is this just an FF15 team in disguise? There's just like, there's the... the well, I mean, this... they even said it has FF15 staff um, on it. Yeah, I don't think it's... It, it's just mm-hmm. like for the next seven years, this development is only going to make uh, content for FF15 for it to continue forever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we don't really know much else about it. It, it there, It's kind of, you know, maybe worth mentioning that like, uh, there's been a couple of studios with this sort of similar style to it, including one from Square Enix, uh, Oh man, what was it called? Was it's it... the one that the Tales uh, guy, oh, uh, Baba's team, uh, Hideo, oh, Hideo Baba. Yeah, like, like, uh, what do they call that? It's oh not studio. Not, not it's not studio. It's not Studio Zero. That's the Atlas one, right? That's Atlas. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna mention that. That's another game that's like this is a new studio with like a new kind of fantasy type, you know, approach to it from the Studio from, uh... Estolia. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so like, that's another Square Enix studio that is working on something. And that was announced like two years ago now, or more than a year anyway. And we don't know what they're working on. Uh... Yeah, that's about yeah, it's about a year ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess this this makes sense because hey, Luminous Engine they poured millions and millions of dollars into that uh, to, into making that engine just for FF, and uh, FF15. So despite despite what you or anyone might think of Final Fantasy, but you generally you mm-hmm. like it seems to have been. A success for oh, Square yeah. Enix in terms of commercial. Like they sold like seven million copies. They're probably getting a lot of feedback, or they're probably getting a lot more from. It, it uh, is the probably Windows, the, sing- the single the biggest, Windows version. Yeah. The, the, it is probably the single biggest like RPG uh, to uh, practice games as a service model. Yeah. I can't. I can't think of any any RPG bigger the, than it on, on at least on consoles. Uh, yeah, it, it sold a boatload, and like I think I think the number was like six point five million, and that was before the PC release yeah. and the Royal Edition. And they 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 probably have sold a decent number of DLCs and whatnot. Um, so like this is a big success for them. So I'm not surprised, despite you know uh, the critical consensus of Final Fantasy 15. Let's just say you know there's varying opinions. Yeah. Uh, I, but, I th- uh, but I think one of the but. But you didn't really see like many criticisms of its visuals, and like Luminous Engine like really does a lot of great work, like in terms of environmental effects, a lot of uh, practical, like you know, like the battle effects and the, the way it kind of handles like the, its magic spells. Like it, like the Luminous Engine like on its surface is like it 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 looks awesome when it's like allowed to flex its muscles, especially like on the PC version. Like, the PC version, good. especially. Mm-hmm. The main problem with the PS4 version, even the Pro version at this point. I, I I'm not sure if you can change this, but uh, 
it has just kind of a variable frame rate between 30 and 60. So it's kind of, you know, it, like it'll, it, it widely fluctuates when you, if you're yeah, just, just the, the yeah, area. Engine optimizations. Or, yeah. I, yeah. I, I really wonder if they're going to, the studio will continue trying to like kind of optimize the performance of not, 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 not say F15, but I mean, just uh, later yeah. versions of the luminous engine on. Yeah. Console. Like the luminous engine that developed Final Fantasy, especially that game's history. Let's just leave yeah. it at that. It's some. I, I kind of imagine it as some sort of like Frankenstein engine yeah. that just kind of like developed over years, and you know, it's probably not very efficient and probably not very robust. It's like maybe if they kind of keep tackling it, they can eventually get a workable, like easily more easily usable engine that they can develop a game from with less trouble than Final Fantasy Fifteen. Maybe you know, you know what I think. Uh, I th- I think Final Fantasy Type One or whatever. And Wasn't that teased? I, I, that there was like a teaser like many years ago. I have no idea how many years ago, but that there was a there was that teaser of that, and I wonder I think, what what the hell happened to that that thing. But if, the, if that thing resurfaces, I think that's going to be on the Luminous Engine. I think it was like if you had like a, if you did like a second playthrough of Type Zero HD, then you saw that little like almost like a Kingdom Hearts teaser, you know, where it's yeah. just like at the very end of the credits, they're like something secret. Who knows what it is? <laughs> Anyways, um, who knows whatever the hell happened to that? Anyways, Type Zero is terrible, so who cares? <laughs> I still i I remember playing through it, playing like maybe five hours of it, with like, okay, this motion blur, I kind of want to die, uh, <laughs> and then never touch I just it again. I don't mean to be too critical, but maybe I do. I just did not like Type Zero at all. It's just everything about its design, to its characters, to its setup, to its setting, to its story, it's just like nothing the, about this is appealing to me. The most time Anyways. ever I ever spent on a Final Fantasy Type-0 character was Ace in the Dissidia NT. Yeah. Uh, that's the most time I've spent on a character of that. Um, but yeah. Uh, are, you, are you still playing Dissidia at all? Like, was there any longevity there? Not really. I mean, I might maybe dip back in when Vayne comes out. I, I don't know. I just, I, I know there's a community for it, I, I'm sure it's still doing, uh, it's still healthy, but I just ha- I haven't really mustered up, like, I haven't really cared much to dip back into it. It's just, it's so bare bones to me, because uh, I really, like, did like a certain aspect of the Dissidia single player, and it's not there at all. Uh, if I can convince, yeah. if I can convince more of my friends to pick it up, maybe I'll put more time into it, but it's, it's definitely one of those kinds of games that I'll, I only really have fun with it if I'm playing with people that I know. I, I saw that they put out a roadmap. We're kind of getting on a tangent, but that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, they put out a roadmap for like the the future years updates for Final Fantasy Dissidia NT, and they're basically releasing six characters up through like early 2019. And you know, like the part that they're adding characters isn't surprising or unexpected at all. I mean, like every fighting game does this, but like I almost feel like Dissidia is that enough just to have like six new characters over the course of the year? Like I don't is, is does the game itself like have a shelf life that I, long? I, I don't know. I, 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 don't know I mean, they're still they're adding other things besides the characters. Like they added like a new. Oh, I guess they did add them. The, the, the what did they add recently? The monastery from Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, that is. I guess added, if you're like, for Final Fantasy fans, that's a pretty cool addition. Yeah. Not not a super deep cut, but deep enough. That's like that's cool that they thought I mean, of it. Yeah, but there's like there's a new stage to like play around with there. There's also yeah. like tweaks like adding a spectator mode. I mean, there 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 are. There oh, are, I didn't like, know, I didn't know they added that. Yeah, they're they're kind of. Cool. They're adding other things in the mix, but I just don't know if that's really enough to like keep people in for that long. And I, I wonder after they're done adding all the characters, like what happens then? Do they like announce like a new Dissidia version for arcades? I wonder if they're like if there's like a proper sequel, quote unquote sequel in the works in the for Japanese arcades. I don't know. It's 
it's it's a, it's a weird thing I, and i really and that's only and that kind of game only works if there's a healthy community because I, I really don't yeah. like playing with bots in that game um but who knows uh i i may i may like fire it up like within when is months. when does vine come out rain i think <laughs> april I, I i think it's april uh, I was i'm not too sure um and then in our last piece of news um bandai namco uh speaking of uh let's see it was PC first yeah it yeah. was kind of leaked first but then finally confirmed that new gundam breaker is coming out to ps4 and now pc via steam uh on june 22nd and this is a worldwide simultaneous release because the japanese version is coming out like on those days as well like I, I think now, I the 21st for PS4 on, on there, but it's it's basically a worldwide simultaneous thing, which is kind of a real crazy thing for this kind of game. Especially considering uh, well, there's that one Gundam game that they just kind of stealth released. Uh, um, they had like for Vita. Oh, the, the Gundam Extreme Versus Force like on 2016. Yeah, in 2016 <laughs> they kind of just pushed it out there on the Vita to die and no one ever... It wasn't like a game. super stealth release. I think they like announced it was coming like they didn't say when, and then just one day it showed up. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, but the, the, we've come, we've come a long way into like almost two years with uh, now remind these me. Gundam games. Now remind me, uh, is this? I know, I know, they're like a shit ton of Gundam yeah. games. But is this the first one that's on Steam, or like the first modern one anyway? Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, the, because the 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 last uh, overseas release for a Gundam game was Gundam Versus, and that was on PS4. Was PS4. But, but yeah. that never got a Steam release. So this is, yeah, this is kind of a super big deal because uh, Gundam Breaker is uh, a series that would really lend itself well to like mods. So if it just if this gets like Steam Workshop support, that'd be fucking crazy. Um, now remind me again. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. you've talked about this before on previous podcasts. What are we? Why is RPG side talking about a number eight? So now, uh, yeah, this, it's like it's like you you you've kind of uh, likened it before to like a Diablo, mm-hmm. where it's like an action RPG where you your loot in this case are like different gunpla parts yes. that you put together in sort of any way you want. Go ahead. Yeah. So so um, a lot of it is uh, like uh, there's a lot of stats uh, in this kind of game. Uh, every portion of your like mobile suit your gundam like it's all it can be all be different parts like say i can have like this uh like a gundam head uh, but, but the, the body part is from another robot and the arms could be from another robot and the legs could be from another robot. the backpack like and all these uh each separate part can be leveled up individually and you can add on like different like modifiers like hey this gunna uh part will give you uh plus eight thousand hp and uh and give you like an attack bonus when you're in the air, while your arms will like uh, give you like a increase to your movement speed, and, and so it's a lot of uh, different parts like that. And you can also upgrade the uh, the loot because it has a color coded loot of like white to green to blue to purple and whatever. Uh, yeah. So now, you've you've said in the past, at least for previous games, it's maybe a little bit more flexible than something like a Diablo, where you can like take a bonus from one piece of armor and basically slap it on another piece. Yeah, so is that um, am I saying that like accurately at all? Yeah, yeah. So like you know, like in uh, how in Diablo games, like it's all it's always a bummer where you get like this uh, this piece of loot that's uh, that you really want, but you already have like this per, like say purple chest piece, but this is this is like blue one, but it's like it's like just a smidge like you know just out of your like ideal setup, 
and there's no way mm-hmm. to really upgrade it to like like the next like rarity. So like you're stuck with this blue piece, and you don't want to give up your purple piece. So uh, at least in Gundam Breaker Three, uh, the really cool thing is that you can actually transfer like rare. Like, you can have like your pieces ascend in rarity. So you say you have like these uh, unicorn Gundam arms that you really want, but it's a white it's a white rarity. So what you can do then is you have these uh, like uh, green rarity arms that have like a, like your skills already in it. So what you can do is you can transfer all those skills and that rarity to this white piece. So you can turn this white piece into a green piece and have all the useful bonuses from that one. Say like it ha- you're, you have a plus HP, plus movement speed, plus attack on it. But you don't really care too much about like uh, uh, plus uh, resilience to breaking uh uh on it so you can tra- just transfer those skills over to this new piece and that'll consume it so you have this new brand new gundam unicorn arms that are green rarity for the skills that you want and then you you're free to uh, to like do whatever with that but uh, but say uh, yeah. hey but say hey like this isn't enough like you get like these like new piece uh, arms that like drop and they're blue rarity so what you can do then is like consume that blue rarity into your unicorn Gundam arms and that'll turn it to blue rarity and you can get any skills that you want from that new piece over into that. So it's like it's just a progression of rarities of skills that you want for it. So it's custom tailored to your setup. So I'm hoping they they um retain that system in New Gundam Breaker because what I'm talking about is in Gundam Breaker 3. They haven't said yeah. too much about how they're doing it in New Gundam Breaker, but the way they did that in Gundam Breaker 3, it was like it was fantastic because I it never felt like I was getting gimped on what was dropping. Yeah. I, I could, I, there was always a way to make that piece viable, and eventually, you know, like have it like in my uh, get it to max perfect. rarity. Perfect then, for min maxers. Yes, exactly. It is a min. It was a min maxers dream. Uh, the really bad thing about it was like you had like inventory limits. So like even though your inventory limit for each kind of part because it was nine hundred ninety, it was so easy to like max that out because of how many parts would drop in stages and then having to like go through your inventory of like okay make space now had to get rid of all these arms that i don't need it was just like a lot of like busy work for just to just advance like being able to play the game so that 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 was that that, that's kind of like my whole spiel about like why i really like gundam breaker 3's rarity or how it handles loot and I think I made a big case for that. <laughs> I think the 2016 Game of the Year podcast. That the... You actually you actually convinced Alex to like, like, I don't think it ended up in our top five or whatever. Or like, you actually convinced I, I, Alex. I think it was like so barely, like, barely close to making it. like the third, like almost third place. And that was like, <laughs> kind of like, wow, yeah. that's kind of a, a weird, very weird thing. Um, I, I have two comments to make. You mentioned Unicorn Gundam. That's one of the animes I started to watch. And I hated it so much, I dropped it. Great. Um, I, I, <laughs> I don't know what the consensus is, but Unicorn Gundam, I thought it was terrible. Anyways, um, mm-hmm. this this game also has like a dating mode. Like, oh, yeah. Like the, female the, pilots that you can basically date, I guess. So it because was, why it's, not? A, it's, a, it's a weird addition, right? Because the people who want this new, <laughs> this new Gundam Breaker... Uh, are already way into it. They're, finally, it's getting an overseas release worldwide simultaneous. It's like it's 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 everything we could like ever want, like in terms of exposure and overseas like development for for the series. Because we because it's a, it's a, it's a very charming series, but we're already all in on it because it'll it ha- it has like the the still the gameplay loop of like being able to create our Frankenstein dreams of like 
mixing different parts together. So without having to buy expensive models. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in this new in this uh, new version, they're adding in uh, all like I think like five or six heroines, uh, where you can like build up your relationship and bond with them, like gain like these new event scenes of like you, like you getting closer with this heroine. And uh, very similar to, like, you know, your typical visual novels, you have, like, I guess, like, female routes. Like, you have this common route in visual novels. And then, like, you have, like, this big decision that to say, hey, I want to have a relationship with you. And then they'll have, like, their whole story arc and, like, to this big ending in, like, in visual, typical visual novels. So I assume it's taking, like, notes from that. Uh, and it, and you know to some people that's all they need like uh, right the, they have this kid, this cute anime girl that has like you know the, their favorite voice actress and the, to uh, a good chunk of like their audience both in Japan and or like in, in global scale like that that sells the, you know you see it a lot on Steam where like uh, all visual novels are thriving on there and that is one of like the least offensive additions uh, additions that they can make. To Die Hard series of this uh, of the of, like of Gundam Breaker, uh, so like to our fr- like to my friends and I like it's like okay whatever we're still gonna go into it for the Gundams but for now now they're just reaching out to another audience saying hey you know you this is for you too it's like okay sure why not I like robots but you know <laughs> what I really needed was to like you know have a dating yeah, yep. yeah exactly so sure why not apparently it's, apparently it's not the first game with the, it's not even the first Gundam game with that sort of element, or at least there was a previous one that had something sort of similar, I guess. Um, I mean, there's been a lot. So, like in, in the Gundam Breaker I, I series. I thought Kai talking about it. In, in, in the not... Gundam Breaker series, it's kind of, it's new that it's a dedicated, it's a dedicated mode. Like in the, in the, yeah. in the previous games, like in Gundam Breaker 3, like, it, like a lot, like one of the main characters was focused on this, uh, like, uh, fe- like this uh, female competitor. Uh, but like, your self-insert guy was like her childhood friend, like faceless, like in this game, faceless yeah. dude, you know? So I mean, it, you, but there wasn't like a, there, there there wasn't yeah there wasn't uh like a, a dedicated like relationship building with her, and like in Gundam Breaker too, like you just had like you and your comrades, but one of them was female and like, but there wasn't like a route to like you know start dating her. So there wasn't uh, like a firm dating element, though there yeah. were always hints of it in the series of like you know you're this childhood friend of this female that like you know you're going on you're going. You're doing this very, story. very anime. Yeah, and so now they're just like kind of, they're just kind of going all in on this. I think it's kind of, it's kind of weird, but why not? I mean, uh, I haven't played like any of these games. It's kind of from really, that's <laughs> yeah, weird. I don't, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's that. That's weird. That's okay. Whatever it takes, like you know, get like convince people to give it a shot, and hopefully, okay, hopefully it's one of those things. It's like you, you came for the waifus, but you stayed for the robot building. <laughs> oh, that's, so, that's the goal. Yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> That's actually the strategy here. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is the real strategy here, and uh, and I, they also you know had like this PvP mode new to it as well. That's like a PvP multiplayer, and that that's that, that that's kind of exciting to me because you get to see the monstrosities that people have made, piloted by the people that make it. So you have like this uh, your your team of three going off this team of three, uh, and all your fucking Frankenstein monstrosities just going at it with each other. It's like sure, why not? So, I mean, Again, I'm not like I'm not really that much into Gundam, but I know, like I, I know, like one of the very first screenshots they showed of this game was just like a normal, like a normal looking typical Gundam frame, only with a Zaku head, mm-hmm. and like we we tweeted that out on our Twitter account. Everyone was like, "No, what are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and, and, and for file this, <laughs> and for and for people yeah, who want, want, and for people who want, like you know, the the more traditional builds, like you want to like make the God Gundam or the Unicorn Gundam or the or the what else? What else is a, a, a Gundam Age One? If you just want like straight builds of those, like with all their body parts just like kicking ass, you could totally do that too. You can make yeah. uh, just more like straightforward builds of them, and there, there's no there's nothing like you know telling you not to go one way or the other. For me, I just like going making my own sort of whatever. There are two types of people in the world. The people who take their Lego sets and just build them as is, and then the people who just mix all the pieces together. Exactly. Absolutely. That's exactly what this is. So, I mean, that's... that's. I, I'm excited. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Um, when, does Super, when does Super Robot Wars come out? Um, that just came out. Uh, the Japanese version... Oh, yeah, the Japanese version came out uh, just this past week on the 28th. The uh, English the English version of Super Robot Wars X is coming out on April twenty seventh or somewhere around there, the last week of April. Yeah, um, I know that's a I know a little bit of a leftover question, but just like all right, so these mecha games and other ones, of action ones. Yeah, strategy. and the, the, yeah, the, <laughs> so it's a good time to be a mecha fan. Like I know BattleTech is coming out. Oh, yeah, that too. On uh, somewhere like I think at the end of April for PC, and that's kind of based on the board game. Uh, it's a stra- like a strategy. Uh, game that has like a big deal on like uh types of uh mecha and like i think it, i think it even has like armored core-esque like damaging parts of your mech so that I, i'm kind of interested in checking that out but yeah that's a uh, new gundam breaker june 22nd ps4 and steam and that's that's it for the news Anything yeah else? i think that, those are the, those are the main things it was a little bit of quieter week but we finally got that dragon quest news which you know i think we were waiting for it because I think the last time Square Enix said anything about that was like when they announced it last summer. They said we'll announce more in the fall. And <laughs> yeah, I don't think March 2018 no. is fall, but uh, yeah. Anyways, we finally it was, got some info. It was crazy. It's actually, actually kind of amusing. I literally think the day before we were just kind of catching in our in our chat. Like I was actually, I actually, I think I said something like they're probably just waiting for E3 at this point. You know, just just wait. Like no, of course I'm way wrong. Mm-hmm. They, they announced it the next morning. The prophecy. But, yeah. <laughs> I jinxed it, I guess. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I think the the last time we heard of the Dragon Quest Eleven getting brought over was the like the the development like localization announcement from like Yuji Hori. Like he was just like, oh yeah, by the way, we're um we're planning to bring this over, but yeah, look forward to news on that. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, there's always a couple of weird things like that. Like we like Metal Max game is getting localized. We assume it hasn't actually been announced yet. Then like Saga Scarlet Grace, basically. It hasn't even been announced for localization, but all the set, the Steam release basically says it's going to happen. We just have to wait for the announcement now. It's yeah. just kind of weird and kind of amusing, I guess. Yeah. Well, ho- hopefully Saga Scarlet Grace speaking English is actually a real thing because, you know, there are definitely Japanese-only releases yeah. on Steam, so... Yeah, they're not they're not common, but it could happen, but hopefully not. I, everyone I know who played Saga Scarlet Grace, which is like three people, <laughs> but all three of them love it. One yep. of them being our own uh, James, so... Uh, who writes hold on to hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I, I want to play it, so just let me play it, I guess. Please. Anyway, where you can find us, uh, you can find us at rpgsite.net. We have a shitload of Nino Kuni 2 guides, so if you have a question, that there's probably an answer on there. Um, we also have a Twitter. You can find us at rpgsite. That is one word on the Twitter, just RPG Insight together. Um, Even though our our actual brand has a space, yeah. So nobody gets right. 
no one's ever going to get it right. It has now. one. It's okay. I mean, it doesn't really matter. But <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, anyway, if if you're if you if you want to put our site's name somewhere, there is a space between RPG and site officially. Even though a, a lot of our URLs and Twitter handle has them together, identity yeah, crisis yeah. till the end of the time. Um, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com/rpgsitenet. Our YouTube, youtube.com slash RPG site net. Uh, you can find us on Tetracast or on iTunes. So search up Tetracast. I know on some Google apps, you can either type in Tetracast, but if that doesn't pop up, the search RPG space site. And I think that pops up with this. Um, and you can find us on Discord, discord.me slash RPG site. And uh, oh yeah, our Twitter handles. Where can we find you, Adam? Uh, K-I-N-G underscore S-E-D-A. You can find me over at H-D-K-I-R-I-N. H-D-K-I-R-I-N. Um, that wraps it up for the Tetracast. You have an awesome Easter if you celebrate Easter. And if not, then don't get fooled by anything on April Fool's. Until then. Final... Final thought, mm-hmm. the Final Fantasy fourteen April Fool's video is really cool. Check it out. Yes. Um, it, it basically is a character from Final Fantasy fourteen in like a sprite style going through a bunch of both old and new-ish RP, uh, Square Enix games, like looking for his soulmate. It makes a lot more sense if you play Final Fantasy fourteen. But there's some deep cuts in there, including The Last Remnant, which is like my favorite game, uh, but even some cuts way deeper than that. I know. Uh, that. It's, that it's, I, I, Man, that's, it's, it's just it's just a cool little compilation in this right style. So yeah, definitely check, it out. check that out. Um, do do you remember the the name of that video? I don't have it on on hand. It's something fancy. Uh, I, can, I can look it up really quick here. But yeah, it's it's just like a cool little like sprite little showcase. I know some people actually got angry because they're like, this is the only way they're gonna they're going to uh, like give any sort of recognition to these games. Like at least they're giving them something. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's called uh, Magni Fantasy, okay. uh, and I guess Magni is a character from Final Fantasy fourteen. So, the, the, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's uh, got games like it's got games like some Tom Sawyer and Hanjuku Hero, uh, <laughs> and Einhander, mm-hmm. and a bunch of these like deep cut Square Enix games. Yeah, Anyways, tomorrow so is Easter, but it's also April Fools. Sometimes you get some neat things like that. Yeah, and also um, now that you mentioned it, just final thought. Uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, Square Enix also released a April Fool's gag for Final Fantasy Brave Xevious, which is like, it shows a 3D remake of that game. So it it, look, <laughs> it actually looks kind of neat, but it's all an April Fool's joke, and I know for a lot of people, it, it fucking hurts. So, yeah. yeah. It's a very mean joke. It is. Until then, take care, everyone. Later. Later.